And we're going to be dealing with verses 1 through 7 uh, today. And the focus of our sermon, the title, the big idea is stop stealing. Stop stealing. Let's pray. Father, in the powerful name of Jesus, we are humbled by the fact that you are mindful of us. God, we are but dust. But you have decided, oh God, to place in our temple called the body, the spirit of God. Father, because we are now connected to you through your son, Jesus Christ, we are no longer just servants. We are now the very friends in the adopted children of, of our heavenly father. And so, God, we're crying out to you right now that by your spirit who lives in us, that you would begin to break down defenses. God, I pray that you would begin to move in our hearts that there would be a longing, oh God, to live for you. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I'm praying that you would awaken in us a boldness to declare the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I'm praying that we would not accept no and, and, and take it as a final rejection because we know that the Spirit of God works when we obey you. And so, Father, may we continue to go and tell others about your Son. Father, may we continue to be committed to making disciples that make disciples that we might see a world that is literally turned upside down by the power of God at work through us. Father, we bless you and we thank you for what you're going to say to us today from your word. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. We thank the Lord for that name that is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Now concerning the things which I wrote you, is it good for a man not to touch a woman? Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, sexual fornication, adultery, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife due benevolence or affection due to her. And likewise, also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but his wife does. Do not defraud one another, except with consent for a time that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not attempt, does not tempt you because you lack self-control. But I say this as a concession, not as a command, for I wish that all of you, all men, were even as myself. But I teach one who has his own gift for, from God. 
one in the one manner and another in that. May God bless your hearts to respond in obedience to his word. Praise God. Praise God for standing in recognition to his word. Would you reach out to someone? This is going to be another one of those messages that I believe that will give you direction in your personal lives as well as opportunity to be able to share with those God has called you to disciple. One of the most popular television shows in Western countries is The Bachelor. This well-liked program made its initial debut 25 years ago and is still going strong. Watching men kissing multiple women's contestants that are competing for him to choose them as a wife never has set well with me. I'm sorry. I, I, I can't get past watching that happen. I'm sorry. Now, some of the requirements for the potential contestants are you must be willing to drink alcohol. You must pass a STD test, socially transmitted disease. You can't be on the program if you test positive. You must pass a psychological test to prove you ain't crazy, that you're mentally stable, to avoid fatal attractions. They do a criminal background check, make, and, and you must make a six-month six month to a year commitment to remain with that episode without being paid. So you have to leave your job for six to, months to a year and remain in California on set, on the set, in order to be chosen. And here's the final thing that just settles this whole disgusting whole idea to me. You must agree to be one of the three finalists to go on a fantasy date with The Bachelor where you have sex with him. He gets to choose one of the three women that he enjoyed most. So he gets to sleep with three women, and the one that he enjoyed the most, he gets to choose. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I did, I did my homework. <laughs> That's nasty. I digress. I digress. I digress. Now, when I decided to obey the leading of the Holy Spirit to teach on leveling up in your marriage, I wondered why my spirit was so reluctant and so hesitant to breach these types of subjects. And then it became clear to me that God's view of marriage is so counter to our culture that it seems totally irrelevant and out of step when you say to someone that what happens on episodes like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette is not normal. What you watch on reality TV is not normal. That has become, for many, 
the, norm, the normal of how you date and how women and men or whoever you choose to interact occurs. Now, while the Bible no longer is the final authority in the minds of many, what people view as sacrosanct or most important is our opinions or feelings about marriage. What matters most is not what the Bible says, it's our feelings about whatever the subject matter is. And so truth is not absolute, truth is relative. If it feels good to you, it, 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 and it doesn't hurt anybody based on your definition of what hurts others, then it's your truth, and your truth is just as good as my truth. No, your truth is opinion, <laughs> and we all have opinions, but God's truth is absolute. Now, as a true follower of Christ, we must refuse to be deceived and persuaded by what the world does and says, regardless of the consequences. I believe as a result of how Christians responded during the last presidency and the fact that people have been away from church for a whole year, to be a Christian is going to take a level of boldness that most of us have not been required to operate out of. It's going to take some backbone to say that you're a Christian going forward. And since I believe that the Bible is God's word, I'm not going to apologize about teaching God's word and governing my life, my, letting the Lord's words order my steps, letting his word be a lamp unto my feet and a light upon my path. And those who name the name of Christ, you are going to have to make a decision. Whose side are you on? Choose you this day who you will serve. Because God's word is the truth, not a truth, the truth. And his word, his word works. Now, when we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through 7, and that's the focus that we're going to have today, Paul is responding to a question that was raised by members of the Corinthian church, particularly in verses 1 through 7, by, by those who were married in that congregation. He later talks to, in verses, in verses 8, through, in 8 through 9, to single Christians, and then the rest of the chapter is devoted to the issue of marriage and divorce and, and singleness in general. But our focus is going to be on verses 1 through 7. The Apostle Paul is responding to a problem in the church, and he doesn't respond by giving a politically correct or culturally correct answer. The Apostle gives a, a biblically correct answer in response to the cultural practices of that day. Now, a biblically correct answer does not ignore the cultural context that we live in. Christians need to understand. Paul said, I become all things to all men that I might win some to Christ. How could he become a Greek? How could he become a 
a Gentile to the Gentiles and a Jew to the Jews. He had to understand their culture. And so the Lord has called us to witness in a world that has various cultures that don't know him, but we know how to reach them based on the language and the traditions of their specific culture. So he gives a biblically, biblical response to the culture that he was ministering to. Now, he turns the readers away from what they were hearing and seeing in the world because we're supposed to be in the world but not of the world. And his basic answer to married couples that were violating the scriptures in their relationship is found in verse 5. He says, defraud ye not one another. That's the old King James. And that basically means stop cheating. Stop stealing. Stop withholding. You have a debt to pay. And that's where we get this idea, do benevolence. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying, he's not talking about adultery or activities outside the marriage. He's saying that there's some things that are happening within the marriage where husbands and wives can be guilty of stealing. And he tells us, defraud ye not one another except with consent for a time that you may be able, that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer and come together again, lest Satan tempts you for your lack of self-control or your inconsistency. Now, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, again, the Apostle Paul is saying, stop stealing, stop stealing. And that's in response to the question. Now, and before we unpack this passage, just stay with me. What we're going to discover is what defrauding means. I've already mentioned that means cheating, stealing, uh, failing to fulfill your divine obligation, failing to fulfill. When we fail to fulfill our divine obligations within the context of the marriage relationship, it's defrauding. It's, it's, it's breaking a contract. You are withholding or you are cheating or let's call it what it is. It's stealing. Now, we're going to look at four things, four things today. And the first part of the sermon is going to be, we're going to put most of the meat in the first part of the sermon. And the, and the first part is going to do with the problem of stealing through inappropriate sexual behavior is sin. The problem of stealing through inappropriate sexual behavior, it's sin. It's sin. That's in verses 1 and 2. And then we're going to see in verses 3 and 4, the payment of meeting your mate's sexual needs is required to avoid stealing. You got to pay the piper to avoid stealing. <laughs> Verses 3 and 4. And we're going to see in verse 5, the penalty for stealing sexually can be de have devastating consequences. The penalty for stealing can have devastating consequences. And finally, we're going to see the purpose of avoiding stealing through sexual mis misconduct or misusing sex is to please the purpose for avoiding. Let me say that again. The purpose for avoiding stealing through the misuse of sex is to please God. The goal in our conduct is to please God. And so we're going to look at the problem. We're going to look at the payment. We're going to look at the penalty. And finally, we're going to look at consider the purpose. Now, the problem of stealing through inappropriate sexual behavior, the Apostle Paul addresses a question in verse 1. He says, now concerning the things which you wrote to me, the question that you sent to me, is it good for a man not to touch a woman, nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, fornication, uh, 
uh, marriage outside, sex outside of marriage. Let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Now, the question on the table was, is it acceptable for a man to engage in sexual intercourse with a woman? That was the question. And when, I, when, I, when, I, and when, you, when you study, you'll see, he simply, they, they simply asked, is it okay? And of course, why would, why would somebody be confused about that? Let me say on, on, on behalf of, of the Corinthian believers, in spite of the fact that they are known for their carnality historically, the question was born out of a desire to please God. Sometimes we don't do better because we don't know better. And I want you to also understand, church, that there's no insignificant question. There's no dumb question. Uh, there's no question that you could ever raise that somehow would befuddle the mind of God. Uh, uh, there is an answer to your questions. And, and, and so sometimes we come to church and think we have to leave our brains, our minds, our intellect at the door. Oh, no, come with your questions. Come with your intellect. Come with, with, with all of the inquiry and curiosity because God has an answer for man's problems. Come on now. Come on now. Now, the question on the table, again, is it okay for a man to engage in sexual intercourse? Intercourse. Intercourse with a woman. Now, the the, I'm going to share some things about the culture of the time that you, might not have, you may not have been aware of. This is why the members of the Corinthian church was at, were asking this question of the Apostle Paul. What we'll discover is that in the church, out of the desire to be different from a culture that was, was far worse than the one that we live in, there was a teaching that said that the best way to prove your loyalty and dedication and spiritual maturity was to abstain from sex at all times in whatever relationship you find yourself in. Whether you're single or married, abstinence from sex was an indication of your sanctification or your set-apart life to God. So that was the teaching. But the, the motive for the, behind the teaching was that, that there was so much immorality in the Greek culture where the Corinthians came from, they said, well, we're going to be totally set apart from all that they're doing by not doing sex at all, as if sex is evil, not understanding that when God created sex, he not only created it for procreation, making of babies, but he created it for pleasure. For pleasure. Read the book of the Psalm of Solomon. Uh, Hebrews 13, verse 4. Praise Jesus. The marriage bed is undefiled. Amen. Go on and enjoy yourself in marriage. Go on, go on and wipe yourself out in marriage. And so we discover that there's this, this teaching going on. And, and secondly, that most non-Jew Jewish converts to Christianity did not have a biblical view of marriage based on the Old Testament. Gentiles did not have the Old Testament. And most of those citizens of the Roman government, they were slaves who had been taken captive after the Roman armies defeated their countries. And as slaves, they didn't have permission to marry unless their, their slave owner, and this is not black slavery, this was whoever the Romans conquered, you became their indenture or you became their servant and you worked for them, they, they, you were their property, and so you couldn't marry unless they let you. And so most of the people 
in the Roman Empire who were slaves didn't marry. They just lived together. So shacking up ain't new. This is what they did. And so for the most part, men and women, they lived together. And once they got saved, however, they were introduced to something that was totally foreign to what they had seen and, and done all their lives. And so it's like, wait a minute. We got to stop this, and, 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 and why can't we continue? And, and if we don't get permission, how, how do we continue to live with the person that we're having sex with but we're not married to? And so their introduction to Christ, when the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, it's, it's interesting that he said it to the Corinthian believers. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things, all of your immoral behaviors, he says, such were some of you. That was their lifestyle. All types of sexual perversion and license. And so it's a legitimate question because this was totally different from what they had known. They were surrounded by people who engaged in this type of behavior, and it was acceptable. It was normal. They didn't have no marriage certificate. They didn't have no justice of the peace. In the form of marriage that we currently practice, where you get the ring on your finger, you stand before an official, the Romans developed that. And so if you were a, a member of the elite, then you got a chance to actually have an official ceremony, and you got to put a, a ring on your finger, which meant uh, on the third finger, left hand, meant that the ring was closest to your heart, and somehow that made this some kind of sacred. And, you, and when they prayed, like we pray before we, when we stand before the altar, they were not praying to the God of heaven. They were praying to Jupiter or, or Pluto or some other false god. But during the time that Paul wrote this, the lifestyle was not like what we're used to and what we understand, and Jews who were saved came out of a background where they were taught that it was one woman, one man at a time in a monogamous heterosexual relationship based on Genesis chapter 2. Gentiles didn't know that, and so they said, is it okay? I mean, everybody's doing it, but it seems like Christians ought to be different. So maybe we ought to stop this altogether. And I've said this, and I'm telling my wife, you can hear this right now. When the Lord takes that interest from me, I'm ready to go to glory. Take me home, Jesus. Two things. When I can't eat no more, I don't have an appetite for food, I'm, I'm ready to die. Pack me up. <laughs> Ship me off. Hallelujah. It's over. Thank God for the gift of sex that he created. Now, the problem that was occurring is that this was impacting married couples because now husbands and wives were of the belief that the best way to be superior spiritually, beyond speaking in tongues, because that was the main kind of semi quanon if you really want to be an elite spiritual uh, super saint, you got to speak in tongues. And then Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 13 about the, 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 the greatest gift. But now it's celibacy, and so men and women that were married decided to become celibate. <laughs> they shut stuff down in the name of pleasing the Lord. Now, who was, this, who was he instructing uh, when he wrote these words? Now, what's interesting, he wrote this to believers. We already know that. Well, let me tell you why it's important that you understand specifically. Because <clears throat> what I'm saying, if you're not a born-again Christian who has a desire 
to live to please God, to be a true follower of Christ. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, uh, 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 my, and my commandments aren't burdensome. When you're genuinely saved, you will want to do what God says, but if you aren't a Christian, you aren't going to accept what I'm saying today. I can tell you, you will not receive this. Your flesh is going to reject this. Well, how do you know? Because the Bible said the natural man, the unsaved man, the one who's never been born a second time, cannot receive the things that come from the Spirit of God because they're what? Foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, comprehend them. I don't care how many doctorate degrees you have. I don't care how many books you read. I don't care how many you read. Neither can he comprehend or know them because they lack the Spirit of God. And if you don't have the Spirit of God, Jesus says, you don't belong to me. And so what I'm going to say today, if you don't know Christ, you will reject these teachings because I'm taking them right out of the scriptures. And you can go Google it. You can get right online. You can do what the, uh, with, with the, with the, with the Berean believers did in Acts chapter 16. They went behind Paul's teaching to see if what Paul was saying was so. I want you to see if what I'm saying is so. Now, what we need to understand about the phrase he says, it is unlawful, or is it, is it lawful for a man to touch a woman? Some time ago, I heard a pastor say, when he said, what the Bible says, it is, it is unlawful for a man to touch a woman. Don't, don't, don't touch a woman. Here's what that means. He said, if you're not married to someone, you can't hold hands with them. If you're not married to a woman and you're in a public place and you're, you're sitting on a, on a bus or in the car, but you're not married to them, you cannot touch that person. You cannot be so close that your shoulders touch. Do not touch a woman also uh, was interpreted as you can't hug. No hugs. If that woman's not your man and wife, you, <coughs> you, can't, you can't hug her. Amen. And then, of course, those of us who uh, actually kissed our wives before we got married to them, that pastor said, that's, that's sin. It's sin. Now, some of you may agree. If you ain't married to a woman, why you, especially fathers, why are you touching my daughter's hand? Why you got to be sitting that close to this dude? You ain't married to him yet. <clears throat> uh -uh, no, 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 no. Ain't no hugging up in my house. And we ain't going to say, stop kissing him. We're going to say, stop swapping spit. What you doing swapping spit with him? <clears throat> so you may even, that may be your stance. But that's not what the Apostle Paul, that's not the question that he's answering. <clears throat> the, the expression literally means uh, touch, can you touch a woman, literally means to have sexual or to engage in sexual intercourse with another person. That's what it means to touch. It's the same idea when, when, when Abimelech, <clears throat> one of the uh, Egyptian kings, saw Abraham who told him that Sarah wasn't his wife so that he wouldn't kill Abraham, uh, one, he added Sarah to his harem, intending to have sex with her. <clears throat> one day he was looking out of the palace window, and he saw Abraham touching Sarah. <laughs> now, he wasn't having a casual conversation. And he pulled Abraham in. He said, wait a minute, this ain't your sister, because you don't do this with your sister. And so this touching here, <clears throat> this touching, turn to Maryland, please. This touching um, has to do with sexual intercourse with a person. Now, I want to look at 
I want to look at <clears throat> physical touching for sexual encounters <clears throat> and consider when it is wrong and when it's right. And I want you to understand that the Me Too movement isn't new. It's biblical when something sexually inappropriate occurs. The Me Too movement ain't new. What's new is that we have politicized it. And we've made it subjective sometimes for vindictive purposes and for attention-seeking. But when something sexually inappropriate happens, it is, it, it, as we're going to see, <clears throat> there, there are times when that, is, that, when that should not be, when, 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 we, when it is absolutely wrong. Let me just share with you when physical touching is wrong. And I wish every young man <clears throat> that is old enough to understand English will listen to me right now. Because there was a time if you opened up a door for a woman and let her go in, she would be so happy and be smiling and say, thank you for being such a gentleman. Or if you offered to carry boxes or a bag for a woman, she would just be glad. Uh, or, or if you pulled out a chair or gave up your seat for a woman, that would be, you may get an entirely different response now. You open up a door or you try to carry a bag or you touch someone on their shoulder. And so hear me clearly, hear me clearly, brothers. Hear me clearly, young men. When you touch someone without their permission, it can be viewed as an inappropriate sexual gesture. If they do not give you their permission to touch them, they can interpret that as if you are making a sexual advance. That's why you want to touch people that you know, that you have a relationship with, that they're good with it. If, they, if you don't know they're good with it, just assume they're not. Secondly, it's wrong when you use mind-altering substances to impact a person's ability to say no to sexual advances. If you engage in sexual activity with a person when they are compromised, you're stealing and it's wrong, and they can call it rape, and you can go to jail. Well, we both were drinking, or we both were using, and you knew what your limit was, but you kept pushing the envelope with her. And at some point, she didn't even know she was her. And you pounced. And the moment you did that, you were wrong and can be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Here's a third reason when sexual or physical touch is wrong. When you touch someone for sexual gratification that lacks the capacity to refuse due to mental limitations or their status as a minor, you wrong. You wrong. Somebody who's mentally ill or mentally challenged are going through something where they have, are having a nervous breakdown or they're very vulnerable, and you exploit that and engage in sexual activity with them, that is a violation. You're stealing. You're cheating. You're defrauding them. It's sin. 
And one of the things that makes it so devastating for children is that often when they have been violated by an adult that they trusted or you allow to provide supervision or care for your child, maybe even a relative, they feel guilty and guilt and shame years after the fact because they feel that somehow they were responsible. And the truth is you weren't responsible because you weren't mature enough to be able to understand what was even happening to you or how your body was even responding to someone who should not have been engaged in that act with you in the first place. And here's the final thing that I want to say. Here's the context that the Apostle Paul is using when he says, touch not a woman, or when is it okay to touch a woman? Basically, when, when he's using physical touch in this context, he's saying, when physical touch prompts or solicits a response for sexual gratification for someone other than your wife or your husband, it is sin. When your touching is with the intent to get a sexual response for your personal gratification, and you're not married to that person, you're in sin. You're in sin. Well, we didn't go all the way. You were trying to. <laughs> you just didn't get there. <laughs> now, when is it right to have sex with a woman? I'm glad you asked. Paul said in verse 2, nevertheless, because sexual immorality let each man have his own wife. Hallelujah. The Bible says it is a good thing. Brother, it is a good thing for, um, for he who findeth a wife. It's a good thing. That's, when, that's why when Adam, when Eve uh, was presented to him, the brother blew, it blew his mind. He said, bone, oh, Lord, have mercy. Bone of my bone, flesh of my, oh, look at that. Look, oh, 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 look at God. Hallelujah. He broke out into worship. Sex is intended for marriage. I've already quoted Hebrews 13, verse 4. It says, marriage is honorable among all things, and, to, and the bed is undefiled. But fornicators and idolaters, adulterers, God will judge. God will judge. Now, we need to understand the power of physical touch when it involves sex. Touch is like the ignition key to a car. It gets everything started. Somebody say amen. Now, when a woman allows a man to touch her for sexual purposes, she is normally saying, and this is not absolute women, how you going to tell me what women believe and what the hell? Look, 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 look. I just want you to know that God's word works. Now, listen to me. Listen to me, sisters. When a woman gives herself to a man sexually, she is saying, I care for you. I trust you. I want to be with you exclusively. I don't want to share you with nobody else. When men touch a woman for sexual reason, we have a whole different mindset. Somebody say amen. Okay, brothers, here's what we, here's here, here. Let me tell you how I used to think. 
I ain't going to tell on all the brothers, but if, it, if, if this is tight, it's right, still right. Listen, first of all, when we tell if we're saying, if this feels good. I want more of this feeling, not more of you. Oh, I want more of this feeling. <laughs> we thinking, how far can I go before she says, stop? You may not even have any real feelings for the woman beyond that feeling, that beyond that experience. In fact, she could be a total stranger to you. And you fine. But the average woman ain't going to just give you herself. She is going to respond to you out of relationship. We're responding out of stimulationship. <laughs> that ain't even a word, but you know what I'm saying. Sisters, listen to me, sisters. You must be willing to say, no, I'm not giving you myself. And when you give a man your body, you are giving him yourself. You need to be asking the question, what are your intentions for me? Where are you leading me, brother? If you ain't going nowhere with me, stop the bus right now. I'm out of here. And if you want me, you want my body, put a ring on it. Put a ring on it. And then when you take that kind of stance, see how long that brother sticks in the relationship. If he starts, all of a sudden, he ain't calling you as much. <laughs> he ain't texting you like he used to because you just exposed his intentions. He doesn't want you. You are no more to, to him than an object. Now, why should you wait until you're married? When you get a chance in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 15 through 20, I'm not going to be able to unpack everything there, but again... When we operate outside of the, the, the track that God has aligned for marriage, sex is for marriage and marriage is for sex, when we violate that, we're stealing because we're using something that doesn't belong to us in a way that it wasn't intended. You're taking from God something that is not yours. It's stealing. Now, why should we wait? I'm going to consider four quick things with you. First of all, Sex outside of marriage is sin. It's sin. It's sin. I'd like to say I was perfect. I never fell. Oh, I'd be lying to you. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I say, I've said this and, and meant it. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I have about 10 children, and I'm still denying people, are you mine? No, 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 you ain't mine. <laughs> but for the grace of God... Somebody said that God looks after babies and fools, and I wasn't a baby. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for grace and mercy. But it's still wrong. And, and be, when you say the Spirit of God convicts you even when you fall, you may fall, but you're not comfortable in your sin because every time we sin, the Spirit is grieved. He groans. Now, if you don't feel any grief, 
that maybe you don't know the Lord. You're so comfortable in your sin. Scripture says, do, not, do you not know that your body are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take my members, the members of Christ, and, and unite them with a prostitute? Never. And the word prostitute could be in tra- in, uh, an immoral person, an immoral person, anybody that's willing to engage in sex with you, that's not your wife. He says, never. That means it's wrong. It's wrong. Here's the second reason. Not only is sex outside of marriage sin, Sex outside of marriage is a spiritual act that produces a permanent union. You become yoked. Somebody said, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion has light with darkness. What happens is it, it, when you have sex with someone, even though they're not a believer, sex yokes you with them. It's as if you are entering into a marriage union and that act is something that you can never undo. It is permanent between you and that person. You have experienced something sacred that should have only happened between you and your wife. Listen to what the scripture says. Do you not know that we have that he has united himself with a, you have he who united himself with a prostitute, an immoral person person is one with her? For it is said the two will become one flesh, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. And I've said something, when, when marriage is consummated, it's through the act of copulation or sex. That legitimizes that you now are no longer two separate lives. You're, you're, you're meshing as one individual. When you have sex with someone that you're not married to, that act, says that you are, in, in fact, acting as if you are and you're connected with them from God's perspective. Something supernatural happens. The same thing when we became the Bible, we've all been baptized in one spirit. You don't see the spirit's baptism, the internal baptism at the moment. You could say it's, it's supernatural. It's invisible. The same thing occurs when sex happens between two people that are not married. It's not a visible, you got their ring, they got, no, no, no. Something happens that meshes your spirit, and so a part of you is left with them. So by the time you finally settle, settle, get married, so many parts of you are all over the place that you're all fragmented and dysfunctional, and now you can't really enjoy the blessings of marriage to one person. Now here's a third. So uh, sex outside of marriage. Sex outside of marriage is, is a spiritual act that produces permanent union. But here's the third thing. Sex, sexual sin is unlike any other sin. Listen to what the Scripture says. All other sin... A person commits his outside of his body, but whosoever commits, whosoever sins sexually sins against his own body. Now, when the Bible says that sex is like no other sin, it's not saying it's the worst sin or that it has the greatest consequence of any other sin. What it is saying is that sex, unlike any other sin, is against your own body. Now, I intended to bring an apple here today. Now, pretend with me that I have an apple in my hand. And for the sake of my illustration, the apple has three levels. It has the outer level, which is the skin. It has the inner level beneath the skin. We call it the meat of the apple. 
And then the third level is the core where the seeds are that makes the apple whatever it is. It makes it an apple. If you take the seeds and put lemon in there, it'll be lemon. So the seeds is what makes the apple what it actually is. It's the soul of the apple. And so when Paul says the sin of sex is unlike any other sin, what he's saying is that some sin that we are engaged in only deals with the surface of us, the skin level. There's other things that we do that are sinful that get to the meat of who we are. But the only sin that gets to the core of our being is sexual sin. Because everything that we are is involved in that act when we are engaged in sex with another person. Our mind, our body, our spirit, our soul, the totality of our being is at work. And that's why people who get hurt sexually can get turned out and end up prostituting themselves and, and turning the drugs because what happens, that, that act literally alters something in what we would say in their DNA. No, it alters something in their soul where they are wounded and, def and defected in a way that only that sin can impact them. And so he says, sexual sin is like no other sin. It's unique. It touches you on the core of who you are as a person. And here's the final reason why sexual sin, why, why we should wait until we get married. He says in, 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 in verse, he says that, uh, stay with me. Sexual sin is a form of stealing from God because it denies his ownership. Listen to what the scripture says, verse 19 of chapter 6. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is who you, who, who you are, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were brought with a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. Whenever you use something that doesn't belong to you for the wrong reason, guess what that is? That's stealing. So sex outside of marriage says that you, you are in charge, not God. So it disregards the ownership of God that the, Jesus, the Bible says you've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Christ. You don't, you're God's property now. You can't use God's property. Sometimes I come, come to your house and say, by the way, I'm taking your Mac, and I want to use it today. And, uh, and uh, give me your car, by the way, and, and I'll see you when I feel like, maybe in a couple months. You ain't letting nobody take your car and your Mac without your permission. If they do, you call the cops and say, listen, this somebody just busted up in my house and took my Mac and took my car and said they come coming back whenever they feel like. They may even come back, but I didn't give them permission. And guess what, cop? Please stop them and put them in jail because they stole from me. It's stealing. It's stealing. It's stealing. Let me run on real quick. Let me run on. I, I know I'm running a little late, but listen, listen. Here's, here's verses three through four. The payment that married couples owe to each other that we must pay or, or we'll be seeing. He said, let a husband render unto his wife due, benevol due benevolence or affection. And, to, and, and wives, due to, your, due to your husbands, render unto him. So God says the word due benevolence or render unto her the affection is a, it's a financial term. It's a transaction. It, it, it's a duty. Your body, when you got saved, you, the transaction was, I'm no longer, I don't, no longer have authority over my body. I can't be talking about, well, I got a headache tonight, even though you don't. I don't feel like it tonight, even though you do. You, you, no, 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 no. Your body 
belongs to your husband and your husband belongs to you and your goal should be to please him and his to please you. That's a, that's a responsibility. And when you fail to do that, God said, you're defrauding one another. You're stealing. You're cheating. I ain't go out and be with nobody. Well, you weren't with your mate. <laughs> and guess what? When you aren't aware of what your wife or your husband's sexual needs are, you are that's a form of defrauding too. Your house, your, your bedroom shouldn't look like bombed out Beirut. Sis, I don't care how long you've been married, there's some things that men don't need to know or see. And brothers, if, you, if you're working on your car, please, please clean the grease from under your fingernails. And ain't nothing spiritual about bad breath. It's just bad breath. Put some cologne on. I, 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 I know you like that T-shirt that got all the holes in it, but please put on a different T-shirt. Once upon a time, there was a negligee or, or, or two. Whatever happened to negligees? Do those things even exist in the world? Somebody say amen. You're by, what pleases your mate? Husbands, you ain't all that. You need to listen to your wives. We got to go, oh, yeah, I got this. I know what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> Let's hear your wife. Tell the truth about it. Don't defraud. Don't steal. Don't cheat. Honor your wife or your husband by knowing what their needs are and by the grace of God meeting their needs sexually in your marriage. Marriage ought to be, sex should be a blessing in marriage. You should be talking about hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, that you get to experience this glorious relationship with one person that has given you herself or him, he has given you himself. Let me run on. Now, there's some exceptions to when you and your, when, when spouses can refrain from sexual intercourse. The Bible says with mutual consent, if you both decide, let's, 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 let's take a break. It is for a specific length of time. Well, in five years, we can come back to this. No, not no, five years? I actually had a minister friend tell me, oh, I don't believe in having sex like that. You guys, what are you, doing? you guys are just too young. Man, my wife and I, every three years, what the world? You and your every three years? Don't even tell me that. <laughs> that ain't healthy or normal. Something wrong with you. Amen. Oh, now you say, the marriage is under I can't say that if that's what worked for you and her. God bless you. Heaven smile upon you. But as for me and my house, mmm. He gives the third reason. It says, it is for the purpose of prayer. So if you and your wife have decided we're going to go before the Lord in fasting and prayer for a time, that's fine too. But here's the fourth reason running on. It may be because of health purposes. Sometimes because of health issues, you're unable to function in a normal way 
that husbands and wives had previously been able to. But don't let it be because of unforgiveness, because you don't, you're mad, or because you, you don't feel like it. No, no, no. That's when the Bible says, here's what happened. Here's the penalty. The scripture says, then, comes, then come together after you've agreed for a certain time, lest Satan tempt you because of lack of self-control. And so you shouldn't delay or postpone being intimate with your spouse. And there's so many uh, medical uh, things that are available today to overcome some of the limitations that in the past that would have shut down intercourse in marriage. You've got, you can talk to your physician that may assist you with ways of pleasing. And then let me finish with this. I told you that the last part would not be long. The purpose of avoiding stealing through the misuse of sex is to please God. Paul says, I wish that all of you were like I am. But each of you has his own gift from God. One, the gift of one, this gift, and, and another, that gift. And so the goal is, if God has called you to be married, how do you know you've been married? If the Bible says, if you can't control your sexual desires, get married. Plan, be working towards getting married. Well, until I do, I'm going to do something. No, 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 no. Here's what God says. Practice sexual abstinence, and that prepares you to be faithful when you get married. Well, I'm getting around to it. No, you're not getting around to it. You're getting around to doing what displeases God. And so the goal is, whether you have the gift of singleness or celibacy or you should be married, you aren't going to misuse sex because your desire is to please God. You don't want to steal from God. You don't want to misuse the gift that he has provided for us. Now, I'll share with you as I'm closing today about these owners, these, these two, two very uh, multimillionaire owners on the great ship. And uh, it was a luxury liner. Once they purchased the ship, they fired all of the old crew and hired people to pay them less until they ran into a problem. The ship would not work. For whatever reason, they couldn't get the ship to work. And so they brought in engineers from all around the country to get this multi-million dollar luxury liner working so that they can begin to make their money back. And no matter who they brought in, they just couldn't get that luxury liner to work. And then finally, somebody said, why don't you call the old gentleman who used to work to keep the ship running. So they called the old gentleman, and here he comes with this big old uh, pl uh, leather bag on his shoulders. He can barely carry all these tools in it. And then he goes down to the lower part of the ship, and he begins to look around. He's doing that for about an hour or two. And then uh, the owners are following. What's this guy doing? He don't really know what he's doing. And then finally, after, they, after studying uh, the parts of the ship that he'd worked with for many years, he took out a little tiny hammer, and he tapped on a screw, and then next thing you know, the, the ship did, jump right in into action, and it was running smoothly, and it was operating like it was brand new. And then he walked out, and they said, well, send us the bill. He said, okay. About a week later, they get a bill in the mail, $10,000. And so they said, wait a minute, whoa, bro, we walked with you. We, we saw what you did. All you did was tap with a little hammer. And they, he said, well, you're going to have to itemize that bill. And so he said, okay, I'll itemize it. He said, $2 for tapping. He said $9,998 for knowing where to tap. 
I want you to know that God knows where to tap, brothers and sisters. He knows what works in marriage. He knows how to bless you. He knows what will make you have joy. He knows how to build your spirit up. He knows how to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. He'll tap it if you simply respond in obedience to his word. His word, his word, his word works. The word of God is true. He says, stop stealing. Obey me. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I, I will bless you. I'll 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 bless you. Father God, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Father, we are humbled by our limitations. But our hope is that in Christ, all things are possible. Father, we thank you for mercies that are new every day. We can start today living for you. Father, may we not violate people and hurt them and damage them so that even when they move beyond us, the damage that we've caused will be the residual effect of their new relationships. Father, help us, we pray. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen.